Awesome date. May 4th, 2009. Awesome topic. Put your guns on. This is the Awesome Cast. folks, and welcome back to the Awesome Cast. I'm Basil. I'm Kevin. I'm Rail. And I'm Doug. And that's us. Welcome and salutations, all those that might have come to this podcast from us visiting the Metal Tennessee Anime Convention, also known as MTAC, or possibly from the uh, our previous episode where Daryl Surratt, the Aedib Oil, came over and talked to us about Fallout. Either way, hi, Welcome. Whatever you got here, we're glad to have you. Yeah, also be sure to check us out at awesomecast.com, O-S-M-C-S-T. You probably have already at least been there once. Check out our index of awesome. See if there's anything you like that we've done previous shows. I know it's our Full Metal Panic episode. It's been pretty popular as of late. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Our Slayer's one, too. Um, you can also send us emails, awesomecast at gmail.com. And I promise, unlike Del Surratt, we'll actually talk like Salt Snake. Metal Gear. Snake can love bloom on a battlefield. Fuck you, Otacon. Wait, no. I no. wasn't coming on to you, I just mean I'm okay. Sniper Wolf. She's hot. I, that's all. So there you go. You can also send us a voicemail at area code 206-202-0071. Hey, Basil, how many voicemails have we ever gotten? We've gotten a few. Really? Um, our last one was a guy who was trying from, I think from Lowe's, he was trying to get hold of another guy, but he had <laughs> our number instead. <laughs> and he was like, um, we'll actually play it right now. And But he was like, um, uh, I don't know what this awesome cast is, but I'm looking for this guy. Well... Oh, and Victor Prentice. Oh, Victor Prentice. Victor Prentice. Wow. Okay, oh, I didn't know he had it in him. Well, that's that's pretty awesome, I guess. But you could be the first actual person <laughs> to send us a real voicemail, or you're stuck with something like this. Hello, I'm James at the West Seattle Home Depot. I'm not sure if I have the right number now. I called this number earlier and talked to Doug, and now I have a podcast number. So in any case, my name is James at the West Seattle Home Depot. I have located the door, and they will deliver the door bottom to the store only. And um, give me a call or come on in and pay for it, and we'll get it ordered. Thank you for your time. Bye now. Also, we're also doing a new contest. I figure since we have an influx of new people, a new contest would be a good idea. I happen to come into... Acquiring some Dragon Ball Evolution posters. 
So we want to hear you, well, not hear, actually, we want you to write into us, awesomecast at gmail.com, about your impressions, your thoughts of the brand new Dragon Ball Evolution movie. If you thought it was good, <laughs> bad, sucks, whatever, we want to hear it. And then we'll comment about it on the air, as it were. Because if you waste your time with this movie, you don't have to have wasted your time. You can pod, you can tell us about it, and we'll send you something. Possibly. We have two posters, so two prizes. We'll, A, choose what we thought was the best email, and then we will choose a random email. The idea is that even if we think your ideas are stupid, you may still win something anyways. And that's pretty much it. So I guess we shall move on to a moment of awesome. It's a moment of awesome. Does this have music yet or is it still just me? It's still just you. <laughs> I don't know. James might have come up with some music for last segment. I don't know. I, no clue. So, moments? Well, personally, my moment of awesome was when you were first telling me about the moment of awesome segment, Basil. And I looked at you and I said, oh, you mean what the world of awesome was supposed to be back when we first started this until you changed it. I thought that was awesome. <laughs> I don't feel that was very awesome. I did. <laughs> These other people aren't feeling the piercing gaze I am now receiving <laughs> while you said that. It was very awesome. What are you talking about? I think the moment of awesome is very awesome. Now go on with your little awesome things. <laughs> and that's what decastration feels like. My moment of awesome is Henry Hatsworth and the puzzling adventure. How puzzling is it? Very puzzling. It's actually, of all people, an EA game. Electronic Arts. They're no longer Activision. Ooh. Um, it is part Mario slash Mega Man and then part Planet Puzzle League. The top screen is plays like your 2D adventure action, you know, platforming game. You got from platform to platform, you whack things with your cane and or machete. You can shoot your gun, which has various upgrades and power-ups. As you beat bosses, you gain upgrades to your suit, as it were. Um, the idea is that the best person in the world is not the smartest, not the strongest, not the fastest. It's the guy who's the best dressed. <laughs> and that the most powerful man has will acquire the golden suit, like the golden bowler hat, or the golden trousers, or like the golden pipe, which allows you to breathe underwater. Wow. And then the bottom screen is um, Planet Puzzle League. You've seen it in very, many variations, like the latest one was Planet Puzzle League for the DS. There was also Pokemon Puzzle League. And it's a... Pretty standard puzzle game as puzzles games go. You match, you know, three blocks or four blocks of the same color. And the trick is that stuff, you get power-ups from the top screen, which fall to the bottom screen. But when you actually trigger them in the puzzle blocks, that's when the effect takes place. So say you get a bunch of hearts to fill up your life. Well, if your life's full, you don't need them right then and there. But if you say you get hit, then you activate the puzzle piece, you gain the life then. So there's sort of a strategic action, puzzle, it's all there and it works really well together. It's also really fun. Um, our topic of tonight's conversation is going to be the new spring anime season for 2009, but there was actually some shows that showed up um, between last season and this season that kind of slipped under the radar 
some of them are still going. And the one that I've been really enjoying has been uh, Hajime no Ippo, the new challenger. It's by the wonderful folks at Neo Madhouse, and it is, in fact, more Ippo. Um, you might have seen this in America. I know for video games, I believe, it was Virtuous Spirits. I think the anime they put, what did Gideon put under as? Fighting Spirits. Fighting Spirits. And it's pretty much the best sports anime, as far as I can tell. I mean, it doesn't get much better at guys punching each other in the face, dick and poop jokes. Oh you, yeah, you you can't get much better than that, despite what any and despite what anyone tells you, it's not gay. Takes a real man confident in his heterosexuality to grab another man's junk and oh, fondle is this, it. Is this that anime that you showed us that where they were naked in the shower scenes grabbing each other's penises and? Technically, it was one grabbing one other guy's. And again, Ippo's the main character. He's a really awesome boxer. But the hammer is not his fists. It's his penis. So, so this it's is manly. Huge. It's, it's man. Well, look, he sometimes forgets that he's got a massive dong. And so sometimes people have to remind him of this. <laughs> so it happens to be his fellow boxing buddies. Because he's all down dejected. Because he's, he's not sure this girl will like him. And the guy's like, dude... Once she sees this, it won't matter. <laughs> and this is really? completely heterosexual. Yeah, probably. Huh. It's no different than a girl grabbing another girl's boobs in anime. Now I see nothing heterosexual about that. Yeah. <laughs> well, you don't, but you know, I'm pretty sure that most of them are not, in fact, lesbian. I'm sorry, Kevin. I have Lies. <laughs> And I'm sorry that, and again, this is how real athletes act. This is, you know, a real representation of how real people act in these situations. Maybe you're not comfortable with things like this, but plenty of people are. And you should learn to deal with that. And I really am comfortable. I just had to play devil's advocate for all the guys here who would be upset about it. Who's not manly enough to handle it. Yeah. I was laughing myself the whole time, but... (laughs) Moving on. Oh, snap. We lack Segway from my original one. Um, so, there's a little game from Atlas uh, on the DS called The Dark Spire. You may recognize it under the name of Wizardry, because that's what it is. <laughs> my Kevin, what is Wizardry? Oh, Wizardry is like the great-great-granddaddy of RPG video games. Uh <laughs> I mean, the original one, simple, first-person, wireframe, dungeon, crawl. You'd make characters. They'd roll random stats. You'd assign them not quite Dungeons & Dragons classes, but they pretty much were. It was really an early attempt to make Dungeons & Dragons into a video game. And it's almost exactly the same thing. Wireframes and all? Well... Actually, yes, it has a classic and a modern mode. In classic mode, it's wireframe with very bad, eight, like maybe not even 8 bit art for all the monsters. And yeah. And then there's modern mode where it's actually fairly uh, gorgeously done by the DS standards. And it's loaded with flavor text as like your dungeon master might read to you as you walk through. Uh, <laughs> locked door. I mean, you do. You roll up four characters. Give them classes. Reroll if you're not happy with their stats. 
but <laughs> do you do the whole map drawing thing and do an Etrian Odyssey or no it maps although you have to have a certain spell to show you where you are on the map otherwise you just have to know but you can look at the map anytime you want okay it's hardcore dungeon crawling fun prepare to be have your party wiped about a dozen times right off <laughs> until that one glorious moment where you can actually trudge back to the inn and save yes <laughs> don't go too far in the first floor when you start that's all I'm saying alright you I am obsessed with uh, with a winter anime that came out recently called Soro Kakuru Shoujo in Japanese or as all the cool kids call it according to Basil Soaring so- Cake Girl that's right Soaring Cake Girl yes a cake that soars into space well, that's we'll right Void the kake cake argument it, it, <laughs> yeah. it, it's bloody kake. and horrible <clears throat> it's, it's a very simple show. I mean, come on, it's got it's got zero as a freaking space colony. Oh. It can't get better than that. Well, yeah, it can because there's uh, this one character I like who looks an awful lot like a certain dot hat character. Well, I mean, it's a sunrise parody show. Yes, that's designed why. to parody, parody other sunrise properties or and Bandai so properties. or Bandai properties. So you get things like you know the basis is a, is a love story between a girl. And her giant autonomous space colony. Tetrahedron space colony. Yeah, yeah, what's whatever. named uh, Leopold. Leopard. <laughs> Leopard, because it looks like Leopard. It's voiced by Lelouch. The voice actor is Lelouch in Code Geass. No, no, no. It's, it's, the voice actor is merely the medium from which the character of Zero you know, <laughs> exists through him to project his acting. Zero's acting for this character. Yeah, that's pretty much the whole high point of the show for me. Uh, well, I just got some giant robots and stuff, but that's... For once, for me, QT that takes arms. second stage to the awesomeness of Leopard. I like the QT arms. I think they're... I think they're, uh, they're... They're a nice breath of fresh air and like a kind of... They're quirky, being tripedal yes. or quadrupedal. Yeah. Or if nothing else, you can watch episode nine. The baseball episode, where they completely dump the entire set and everything and just reuse the cast as new characters to tell 30 minutes of baseball. I think that episode was there only to make uh, Kanagitsuki look good because she's been uh, she's been sort of the uh, the butt monkey of the, the, the whipping girl of uh, the three main uh, girl characters in the anime. So she starts out as a cop and then you, you, get, you get her real motives come episode 5, 6... But it's it's good. I mean, it's got good character development. It's got a wacky plot. And people thought by previews of it that it would suck, and it turns out to be really, really good. Every time Leopard is on screen, I it's absolutely fantastic. Because, I mean, he really is just like... It's just like they took Zero from Code Geass and made him a giant space colony. I mean, it's he's hysterical. <laughs> and, it's true. Indeed. And, you know, what was great was later on you actually get to meet some of the other space colonies. Yes. Like the hot female space colony that constantly makes fun of Zero. <laughs> and, you know, and again, these are all actual space colonies. They're, they're, there's no human counterparts or anything. This isn't like Akikon crap where, like, oh, they're Coke cans. Not really Coke cans. They're girls that are designed like Coke cans, sort of. I'll, no, uh, we got freaking giant space colonies in space. Also, this one is Gira and Zabby. Yeah. It's it's good stuff. But now 
the world of awesome, aka now the news. Leave me know that. Yeah, for those of you at home who don't know this and are only hearing the final product, Audacity has crashed on us three times. So this is... What is this? Our... It's crashed twice. This is oh. our third time yeah. attempting to do this segment. Yeah. So, so I'm but... going to be eating cookies and drinking tea, and if that picks up, you guys can just deal with it. Okay, so first up on the block, Mayos, Maya Sakamoto is playing a brand new character. In the second Ava film, you cannot advance. She's playing a character uh, that's going to be named. Um, where is that name? Makinami Mari Ma- Illustrious. Yes, which that's her stage name, also, uh, and also the name of mostly of a partly of World War Two naval battleships. And because Osaka Osaka cannot be undone or have the second best, her new name is now Shikinami Asuka Langley. Why are they changing that? What was wrong with Asuka Langley Soryu? I don't know. Because they just changed the name from one Jap- like from a Japanese carrier to a Japanese destroyer. Hmm. I don't know. Baby, because she's so badass, the carrier's just not good enough anymore. Now she needs a destroyer. Oh, I see. Yeah, the destroyer's like the second smallest ship in conventional ship. Anyways, uh, now they all have Nami in their names. I mean, yeah. Ayanami Ray, mm-hmm. Maki Nami, illustrious fart master, whatever. Um, I don't know. <laughs> it's not her name, kids. Well, maybe it is. <laughs> we don't know. Speaking of fart masters, good news. We're not getting Twilight as an anime. Woohoo! Thank God. The director mentioned talking to this Edward guy on the DVD and the uh, director's commentary. Edward was like, I look Asian in this scene. I do. I do do look like an anime character. And she was all, hey, I think there's going to be an anime version of this in Japan. So you will be an anime character. Metal Gear. (laughs) We should note the director is not Solid Snake. Although she should be. That would have made it much better, probably. Man, if David Hayter it actually directed Twilight, that would have been so much better. It probably would have been. It probably really would have been Helsing. Would have been Helsing. <laughs> which, by yes. the way, Helsing is the best interpretation of Twilight ever. You just never do it. In fact, it was so good it came out before Twilight did. Yeah, actually, I think an Twilight. early rough cut of the original Twilight script actually involved like jet skis and submachine guns, and then they screwed it up by making it more like the book. Oh yeah, it's. <laughs> Because, I mean, you could have, I mean, think about Alucard, Edward, Bella, and Tegra. Huh? Huh? Come on. We're with me here. So, watch Helsing, kids. Also good news. Zac Efron. Probably not going to be part of the full metal panic project of live actionists. Which may not happen. Mandalay Pictures has recently acquired the rights to make a full metal panic live action movie. Join the ranks of such prestigious animes like Cowboy Bebop and Akira. And much like thing, guys like uh, Keanu Reeves and who was doing Akira? Leonardo DiCaprio. Leonardo DiCaprio. <laughs> they attach the name Zac Efron, who apparently is this guy who was in high, high School Musical. I don't know. I don't watch those movies. I figure they're pretty good if you're in the Target 
age group yeah. that watches them. Are they figuring their Full Metal Panic movie would be aid, aimed at the tween audience? Yeah, I'm neither 13 nor female, so... Yeah. I think some little boys like Full Metal I think like some little boys Panic. like High School Musical, too. Ones who have long careers in the theater department. Well... I shouldn't say anything. I have a long them. career in theater. <laughs> yeah, so have I. So... <laughs> Moving, I, I also feel that the best interpretation of Full Metal Panic is live action movie also be Helsing. Alucard could be Sosuke and um, Chidori could be Sarah's Victoria. Um, well, I actually think that Full Metal Panic could is one of those things that it could be adapted into a a good live action. I think it would just de- it would just depend on if they could get people who were actually fans of the original work. Rather than getting a bunch of Hollywood types that think that they can improve on something that's already proven to be successful. It would be the important question of do you actually cast Asians in Asian roles? Well, it's also or a thing. Make them American. I don't know. If, if they adapt it like, say, if they adapt the Fumofu side rather than the serious side. Hmm. Because the Fumofu side didn't have anything in the way of actual giant robots, it's instead awesome powered suits. Um, and the more humorous take, I could see a, a comedy you know, coming out of it. More than say, a serious one doing well. Yeah, as long as they don't do like get the guys from Scary Movie to write it. <laughs> um, Gonzo is all it's it's slow slow death is announced that it's going to be selling its digital video division to QTech. QTech has worked on a lot of series uh, for editing things like Bash Squash, Chrono Crusade, Dana Coil, Kenketsuwa, and Speedgrapher. Maybe these are actual Gonzo properties already. Um, what Gonzo was selling to them is their 3D and visual effects division, which is, you know, their big thing, whereas they're, oh, look at all our great 3D effects. Aren't these so awesome? To which, half the time, people are like, no. Actually, no, they're kind of crappy. <laughs> you learn to be Satellite or, you know, Madhouse or Production IG. As Production IG and Satellite are really the best guys at doing 3D stuff. They are. And so, yeah, Gonzo, they do lots of crap, and they're they're dying. Not Good for them. dying fast enough. A tiny stream of revenue from Strike Witches is keeping them alive. I always thought that Gonzo could be good if they were making something that was their original, like, brainchild. Yeah. They, like, well, it was just when they tried to adapt somebody else's work that they had issues. Well, the guy who did a lot of their more original stuff, like um, Kaketsuo and Blue Submarine, he's he's gone. He's formed his own thing. Wasn't... Wasn't uh, Romeo X Juliet done by Gonzo? That was pretty good. I don't know. I stopped watching ten, ten episodes in. It just was just got too anime for me. Yeah, it kind of went crazy. It did. When I that saw... one was so great about it. it was just it was just like ah. Oh. It have the most badass Juliet ever. That's because Juliet was Romeo and Romeo was Juliet. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of Romeo and Juliet, unicorns. Unicorns. Well, yes. The uh, Mobile Suit Gundam Unicorn novel series by uh, Harutoki Fukui, which has been very popular with fans of old school Gundam due to its continuing basically the plot of Char's counterattack after the movie ends, uh, well, really three years later. But we're getting some kind of anime version. We don't know what. Movie? TV? OAV? Don't know. As long as they keep people of awesome shades. Well, you do have a guy in a mask named Full Frontal. That is the best name ever. It is. <laughs> like, I feel that this cannot be interpreted by Helsing properly. No, no, no. This is 
This like, could not be Helsing. I mean, I thought Lock on Stratos was pretty good, but yeah. full frontal, I mean... I, I thought that frontal. one guy in Gundam Zero had a really great name. What was it? Uh, are you thinking... Hallelujah Haptism? Haptism? Yes, that's what that's the one. Or uh, that's I, a winner right there. I like bring stabity. <laughs> Is that an actual? Yes, yes, that was one of the innovators from Double O. Oh yeah, yeah, you're right. He's only in like two episodes. He's in it just long enough for somebody else to call out his name when he dies. Yeah. <laughs> and his name is Stabity. Bring Stabity. Is that a request? <laughs> All right, so that's our news, and now. We're going to hopefully go into our spring anime review, but first... First we're going to save and hope it takes. And also have a word from our sponsors, or another podcast. Are you sick of every time you mention anime, someone else yammers on about the latest fight from Shonen Epic? Or how deep the characters of Love Love Dodecahedron are? Or their latest doll from Holy Panties Brigade Moe Moe Paradise? Well then, Akihabara Renditions is the cure. Akihabara Renditions is a podcast where four longtime anime fans talk about anime of Japan's public economy. Laugh, cry, and rage with us as we talk about anime from the 70s, 80s, and 90s that influence the anime of today, or topical matters about being an anime fan and the changes that affect us all. You know what? Even if you like the current Shonen Epic or Love Love Dodecahedron, you should check us out, too. You can find our podcast available at akibaranonline.org. Again, that's Akihabara Renditions, A-K-I-B-A-R-E-N, online.org. You lowly fans can die in a fire for all we care. The new season has showed up, and we've watched a bunch of episodes, a bunch of news shows, but we've only seen, like, at most two or three episodes, because they just started airing. So what you're getting is impressions of those first few episodes. These shows could suck at the end. We don't know. But for now, we think these are pretty cool. First up. Asura crying, I guess. Um, yeah, you're this, the only one of us who's actually seen this. So. Well, the uh, the opening theme was catchy for me. Uh, we, we watched all of these new spring animes at, um, at the last Haas meeting because we basically watched the opening theme or any opening sequence before the opening theme. So, um, that was basically my first impression of it, and I got caught by the character designs like I usually do, so I downloaded the first three episodes. Unfortunately, since I'm really, really bad with names, especially names in anime after only just three episodes, I don't remember the main character's name or anything, but the premise is it starts out where the main character is basically in this hospital uh, recovering from a recent plane crash where most of the people died. And while he's in the hospital, like on, on some bed with a little uh, cardiograph thing going, uh, this ghost spirit like visits him and talks to him. And the spirit's in the form of this um, orange red-headed schoolgirl. And what happens is, you fast forward three years later, and basically he's given some sort of present from this mysterious woman who's supposedly on his side, or basically he takes her side later. And what happens is these spirits are basically like the core of these uh, mecha that come out of um, this other space dimension or whatever. So 
there are two competing factions within the school. One is sort of like the uh, the demons, which which I think he eventually joins after three episodes. The other kind of reminds you of like the Catholic Church, <laughs> and I think they're affiliated with like the student uh, the student council. But it's it's sort of a cross between three different genres. It's basically school anime, uh, mecha, and the whole uh, religious. Super. Do you know who animates it? No, I don't. Okay, somebody animates somebody it. Somebody good though. Not Gonzo. Not Gonzo. We're pretty sure. We're, we hope. All right. Next up. Well, before we go down the list, I do want to say, just in general, I noticed that with the winter, with the winter season of anime. Watching through all of those, watching through all those openings, like I really kind of felt like they were losing their touch. But the theme songs for all of the, for just about every anime this season, like there were a lot of really good theme songs starting off. Yeah. Well, I think you, what I think what you see is a lot of times is a spring anime is sort of the jump start. Yeah. For for anime for the year, mm-hmm. and then they sort of finish it up during the winter. If you notice, like we got the ending. Well, never mind. We got the ending of Code Geass last spring at the end of Gundam this this fall. So never mind. Ignore. Yeah, but a lot of a lot of these had really good good songs, and so I think you'll hear us probably say that about a lot of them. Going, you know, this theme song caught our attention because you know a lot of them were really good. Yeah. The, the next show, I don't. The theme song actually didn't catch me, but the show itself is hilarious, <laughs> which is Bash Squash. Bash Squash. This is basketball. Oh God! With giant robots. With giant. In you Nike's. know how there was Pizza Hut advertising everywhere in Code Geass. <laughs> Nike is imprinted imprinted on all of the shoes in the opening. Like yeah. they designed all the shoes. Yeah, like this is as much an advertisement for Nike as Code Geass was for Pizza Hut. Look, this is. I mean. But are they going to edit all that out if they bring it to the U.S.? They won't bring it to the U.S. I don't think so. Well, I don't think with the girls' boobs that big. And <laughs> they'd have to do some editing down, I think, to really get on American TV. Especially watch some later episodes and realize why people are from the moon. <laughs> boobs size basketballs. Anyways, that's not the point of the show. It's not the boobs, it's the balls. The basketballs. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Talking about balls again, that's Basil. That's a segue there. That's a... Yes. Or we'll talk about Ristorante later. <laughs> yeah, um, but it's... What's the guy named... I think his name's Dan? Dan, maybe. Dan JD, I think, is... Yeah, so he's a kid. He he likes basketball, but hates giant robots. Because giant robots broke his sister. And now they must pay. Yeah, except in this weird alternate future, whatever the hell kind of world this is... People play basketball in giant robots with cars for torsos. And they unfortunately play it... One of the major, his major complaints is that people play basketball really crappily. They do. And, and, and these giant robots, and everything's done post-production. Yeah. To make it look cooler than it actually is. Flashy light, blaring music, you know. And then he shows them how to actually use giant robots to play basketball. So now everyone loves playing basketball on giant robots. And it's his fault. <laughs> And now he must live in this world that he has created. You know, it's actually really hard to tell just where the hell this show is going after just three episodes. It really is. But I'm enjoying the ride so far, regardless. <laughs> is this sort of a weird, strange brainchild between Soji Kawamori and the guy who did Code Lyoko? Yes. And Nike. 
And Nike. And Nike. It's so weird and over the top. You can't help but go, yeah. It's... Yeah. Almost entertaining no matter how hard you want it not to be. Yeah. <laughs> now, let's... Cor- now, now, for a different aspect of sports anime, there's Cross Game. Which is an actual sports anime. Yes, it's it's baseball. baseball. Yeah. It's my understanding that it's a it's the one of all of the new releases. It's the one that's doing the best in Japan right now. It is the big thing. Yeah, it is the big thing. It's by uh, Mitsuru Adachi, is the original creator. He also did Touch, which is another mm-hmm. huge baseball, and it's animated by a Synergy SP, who um, their last big show I think they did that I know of was hot, the first season, Hot to the Combat Butler. But they also worked on things like Host Club and Mushishi. Which are good things. It's about a guy named um, Ko, who is constantly, um, his parents run a sports shop, a sports supply shop. And he goes and hangs out at this sort of restaurant bar thing that has a batting cage attached to it. That's why my family has these three sisters. And every day he, he makes a delivery to these folks um, because he, has, he supplies them the balls. Again, balls. Balls. Um, I'm sensing a common thread in the anime this time around. And oh, it's because we have two sports anime back to back in this I list. Pretty much can't help but have balls in a sports anime. It's true. <laughs> and he every day he he plays in their batting cages, so he's really good at hitting that ball. And that he sort of is his life later on. And it, it, there's a big interplay between him and two of the sisters. Mm. The one is his age. They're actually born the same day, and they're childhood friends and. She sort of already picked out their life for them. <laughs> she gives him a calendar where every so every year he knows what's to buy her. It eventually ends up the last year is when they're like twenty where she asks for an engagement ring. Well, she certainly has it planned out. And then there's her sister's year younger who doesn't like him because she does. And stuff happens. But it's a really, really good show. It looks like it's something straight out of the eighties, Ranma. Slash um, like Orange, Orange Road. Road. Yeah. Well, 80s designs with modern... Modern animation. animation. And if you know anything from our past reviews, we consider that to be a very good thing. And this show, I will not tell you what happens in the first few episodes, because it cha- the, the situation changes dramatically. But out of the shows I've seen, this was the one show that I didn't realize was coming out, and sort of struck me upside the head of how great it was. It's it's really good. It's not only one of the, it's not only a good sports show because it hasn't really hit the sports stuff yet. It's a really good character drama, really good character drama. It has some of the I think most believable interactions of characters I've seen in a show yet, as of late. It's good stuff. Now we go straight into Dragon Ball Kai. This is not so good. Uh, well, it's, well, it has some good. The things. opening animation was awesome. The opening animation is great, and the ending, and the ending is also good. What they did was they decided they were going to remaster Dragon Ball for high definition, and they are going Dragon to make Ball it Z specific, Dragon Ball Z specifically. They're basically, skipping the first series. Um, why, why do people keep doing that? The first series was great. It was, which is in interesting because live action, the live action Dragon Ball movie is based off the first season, not Z. Yes. Oh, okay. Um, so it's kind of interesting where people's priorities are, but they decided to make it Z widescreen, 
They said they were to update the animation to modern levels. And they first present to you um, this gorgeous opening animation and high definition of all the JBZ characters flying about and shooting laser beams out of their hands and Kamehameha's. And it, it's great. You're like, oh man, this is going to be so good. And then we watch the show and it's the exact same crap we watched years ago. Well, it wasn't crap when we watched it years ago. ago well, it's I mean, true. I mean, it did, you know... I, I mean, crap in actual animation quality. Oh, well... Well, at the time, it was good. 20 years ago. Like, well... <laughs> you know? well when they say they were an update, they didn't really update. Yeah, they they yeah, cropped the, the, it. The problem, the problem is that they told us they were going to give us one thing, and they gave us nothing new. And it's just like... Now, I hear that... Why bother? Going into it, and some of the, now that they've gotten into the form of the Vegeta stuff... I'm hearing that they've actually edited a lot more. Like, um, when Vegeta first showed up, he had weird blue hair, and he had a really, really bad, like, they, badly uh, colored suit. I saw, like, the third or fourth episode, and they corrected the colors. Yeah. Yeah, which, they gave him the blue jumpsuit sort of thing, and the, the white armor, instead of, like, the green armor, and, like, I've seen some hair. comparisons, and it's, it's pretty, that difference is pretty noticeable. Yeah. They've also cut down the blood. They did. Or sort of the, big they cut, time. Yeah, they cut down the blood big they time. They like they censored it almost as uh, almost as bad as uh, the American the release? American the original American release that had the Rock the Dragon theme. Yeah, the fact is yeah. is that the Japanese standards of what was what could be shown on the air then and now are different. I know, and it's like and now Japan it's has much went, more like we have now in America. Japan today. has went one way, and uh, America's actually gone a little bit the other way because so much of this new anime stuff, because people know what it is, is on cable and they are at late at night. So we get uh, we get most anime that's out today pretty much unedited. They might take out mainly nudity. Well, but it depends the on the time. Nudity's been cut down big time yeah. in Japan now. You don't. Yeah. Like, so, it, Japan is getting more homogenous in that regard. Yeah. Whereas America, if you look at our TV in the past, like, ten or so years, we've really started to diverge depending on entirely what time slot it airs. Like, because now you get things like Super Jail and uh, Metalocalypse, and there's no way those things could have aired several, could have aired ten years ago. I mean, mm-hmm. they're just too bloody and gory for the sake of being too bloody and gory. Yeah. And you see the same thing like you know, late night in Japan. The, you get mm-hmm. the specific late night shows. Yeah. I remember, though, back in the 80s when just about every anime, whatever the time slot, would have some casual nudity in it. Just because it wasn't even necessarily sexual, just someone would be naked. Now, Lots of shower scenes. Yeah. Now, not so much. Now it's like I, I, I'm shocked if I see actual nudity in anime now. Well, you know, there's a, there's a growing divide. There's a a difference in standards in Japan. A lot of people in the older generation, kind of like our age, you know, there was a mentality when we were, when our age group was growing up, uh, that said that it's o- it's okay for, like, children to be around naked adults because they're just children. What does it matter? Uh, but now more and more, uh, they've kind of adopted our thing, which is that you shouldn't be around naked people, period, especially if they're children. Uh, and so you kind of see that, that change is probably affected, you know, having naked people in their children's cartoons more. Yeah, too. of course, the lack of the casual nudity, I think, is directly responsible for the uh, the birth of the purely fan service show. Yes. Which sucks. Yeah, which is a blight upon... I hate fan And we're shows. drifting off subject, and it's sort of my fault. Okay, what were we talking about?
You see, I mentioned before that Audacity had crashed on us twice while trying to record the beginning part. Well, it crashed again while we were recording the last section, and we had other places that we had to be. So here we are at location number two, continuing on with the awesome cast, just for you guys. Just for you. You yes, don't know the torture we've been through because of this. Yeah, I don't even have any tea anymore. But you have Dr. Pepper. I do have Dr. Pepper. So that is that is a... Salvaging light. So we've now moved. So we have moved into the echo chamber. Echo. Much like the Walk Watchmen echo. episode. Echo. But Lee's here not to talk about cock. Echo. All right. So speaking of cock, Eden of the East. <laughs> <laughs> That's a segue. Oh. Eden of the East. It is. Um, it's one of the new productions by Production IG. Um, it's based on the original story by um, Kenji Kamiyama. He uh, did a lot of work on the Ghost in the Shell standalone complexes. And to give you an example on how a little more Americanized this show is, the opening theme song is by Oasis. It's their <laughs> latest song. A British band. Yes. And the first episode takes place in Washington, D.C. with actual like photo-referenced backgrounds. And good enough that people who for, from D.C. were like, hey, I know that place. I've been there. Just based off the backgrounds of this show. It really goes to show just the attention to detail that the people who make these these shows show. Like, there's a lot of attention to detail in Ghost in the Shell, and following true to that, uh, Eden of the East just has a lot of good little nuances like that. I think Kenichi Sonoda set the standard with uh, Gunsmith Cats in Chicago, so... Anywho, the whole thing is based around this crazy... A missile attack that was done in the storyline on November 22nd, 2010, where 10 missiles struck uninhabited areas of Japan, claiming no victims. The terrorist attack was then eventually referred to as Careless Monday. I like that name, Careless Monday. And it was disregarded. disregarded. Three months later, uh, the main protagonist female, uh, Saki uh, Morimi, she's 
taking she's done a, a class I think college visit to DC and her big dream is to chunk a penny into the White House fountain. She doesn't quite realize how far away the fountain was and chunks it and misses and the police notices she just threw something at the White House <laughs> and come to apprehend her and then suddenly someone you know says hello to them they turn around and there's a naked guy naked Japanese guy with a cell phone in one hand and a gun in the other <laughs> and it kind of goes on from there goes on from there yeah. hijinks ensue and so this uh, and he refers to himself as Akira Takizawa but he does actually have any memories he only knows that because that's what his passport says and he had several. This is the one I liked best. And, well, it's the one that was Japanese. Yeah. The rest were other different nationalities. Um, and there's this whole big mystery. Who is this guy? Why does he have this crazy phone that grants him certain privileges that most people don't get? You know, what's going on? And so it's, it's really a neat mystery that takes place here. And it's really, it's a neat show. I definitely recommend it. The animation is gorgeous. The uh, theme song is very fitting. It's very... It's something you normally get to see in anime nowadays. It, it, it feels very much Western as far as the tone goes of the kind of show it is. Like, I want to compare it more to something like Heroes or Kings or something, you know, X-Files. Something, yeah. you know, more than just your typical anime fare. This definitely is the one show out of everything that is the most... While anime, but not anime. It's interesting, but speaking of anime, that is anime. They have come out with a new season of Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. Although, uh, in our little circle, we tend to refer to it as Brohood. Basically, those of you who watched Full Metal Alchemist before and are fans of the show, you know that um, the original series of Full Metal Alchemist... Around episode 10, it kind of started to diverge away from the plot of the manga. And if you kept going, just the further it went into the anime series, the further away it went from the plot of the... Further away it went from the plot of the manga. Uh, And, you know, the TV series came to one ending that was radically different from where the manga just just kept going. Like, there were whole things like uh, certain... Like, certain one of the homunculus are just completely different. They're not who they say they are. Uh, and what this se- what this new season of Full Metal Alchemist is doing is it's basically picking back up. I'm not sure where exactly in the original series it's picking up from, but it's, it's kind of around the point that they started to diverge from each other. It just picks right back up and goes along with what the manga was doing. It actually starts back at episode one. Oh, really? Like, yeah, after the first episode, it's kind of a, hey, look, it's Ed now being awesome. Yeah. They then go and start from the beginning, although they spend less time on yeah. going over old territory. They're actually using the same, um, even the opening episodes of the anime, mm-hmm. um, they are very much based on the manga, but they go into a lot more detail than the manga. Ah, uh, I see. In the anime, Lior or Riol, or however you, you do the first city, and the manga, it was just a setting to introduce the characters. In the anime, it was a major plot point. So they added two episodes just for that first city. In the manga, it wasn't nearly as important. So in the anime, they do the whole thing in one episode. Well, so if you haven't if you haven't seen the old Full Metal Alchemist series, 
you you would be doing just fine to pick up with this with this one. Uh, however, if you are a fan of the old season and haven't really been reading the manga, I still recommend picking like picking up this series and looking at it. Kind of, just kind of treat it like it's an alternate timeline because I really liked the first season, and I have a feeling that everybody's going to like the second season too. I mean, uh, it's got a lot of really good. It's got a lot of really good. Um, I don't know everything. The character designs look look great. Uh, the animation quality is really good. They got almost everybody to come back. Yeah, except do for the voices, except for Roy. Must except say. for Roy, it's the same guy as uh, uh, Lock on Stratos and uh, Kurtz from Full Metal Panic. It's, and he's good at that kind of the Roy Mustang type role. Yeah, you know, I heard when I heard him speak, I thought I thought he sounded absolutely great at the role. So yeah. he didn't. He was kind of different from how the old Roy Mustang did, but it was almost like he wasn't even trying to mimic the old Roy Mustang. He was just, he was just being, being the character. Yeah. He's just doing his take on Roy Mustang. Yeah. And I thought that was I thought that was good. Yeah, pretty much if you like full metal, well guess what you're probably gonna like more full metal. If you never caught the original, a good place to start. It is, and it from what I understand the manga's ending um, this year, so they'll be able to actually animate all of it. And I think that's their goal. Um, this is sort of the Helsing Ultimate equivalent for Elm Alchemist. It's not quite as drastic, simply because the first, you know, the actual animation quality of, and take on the first anime based on the manga was still really good. The only problem with the with the first season, in my opinion, was that movie that they made to tie it off. Like the moment they introduced Nazis, they failed. <laughs> yeah, but that was their big plot point. Was oh, everything was based. All the horrors of alchemy are based on the horrors of World War One, uh, leading yeah. to World War Two, and it's like, yeah, that's not what I want. That's that's sort of a Bones plot twist style. They'll they'll throw something really weird in there. Usually. I, I thank God that Soul Eater did not it, it worked, did not do that. It did not work as well for Fullmetal Alchemist as some of the other shows. I, I think their best adaptation still is Host Club. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Host Club uh, also had a really radically different ending because the manga just keeps going and going and going. But uh, they they came up with a really nice ending to tie off the series with. But Host Club, they had to do a bunch of other stuff. Like uh, in the manga of Host Club, the cherries are always it, like it's always spring. Like it'll be spring, and then it'll be winter, and then it'll be spring again, and then it'll be like autumn. You know, autumn and uh, and skip straight on into something. Yeah. <laughs> right, like the anime, the manga is constantly having this problem of what the fuck season is it. Uh, and the anime just kind of streamlined that a little bit more and made it a little bit more cohesive. Indeed. Okay. Speaking of adaptations, we've gotten one that is kind of, well, about as epic as fantasy can get. Guin Saga. Guin Saga. This is a based off a heroic fantasy novel series by Japanese author uh, Kaoru Kurimoto and has been a continuous publication since 1979. This means it has now at least 124 volumes and is the longest continuing single writer's work in the world. Take that, Robert Jordan, in your grave. A total circulation exceeding 28 million worldwide. This is pretty epic stuff. It's The adaptation is done by Studio Satellite. You know, the director is Atushi uh, Wakabayashi. Who's directing it, and the composer of the um, soundtrack is Nobu Uematsu. You may know him from Final Fantasies one through ten. You know, the good ones. And this is, his, I think, his last time he did anything for anime was the Amagadas movie. Yeah, 
I believe so. And this is his first full soundtrack. Yeah, full full soundtrack for like a show. And the opening is great. It's one of the few instrumental anime openings I really enjoy. And it's it's really good stuff. It's about this guy named Gooing who's this like who's got this leopard mask, but the mask is so well attached to him that yes, it looks like he just has a leopard face. Yeah, no one quest- yeah. no one seems to raise much question. Oh, it's a dude with the head of a leopard. I mean, you know, it's only really he's like I have this leopard mask. It sucks. He doesn't know who he is. He just knows he's a badass warrior, and the villains just happen to get in his way at the wrong time. <laughs> he's sort of like, he's built like Conan, yeah. with a leopard forehead, and is strong enough to punch a guy into a tree, carving through the tree, and then also setting the tree on fire. Now, you know you're pretty badass when your punches hit so hard they start fires. <laughs> yes, and yeah, it's... Uh... It's very much a Western fantasy style series with a, an anime aesthetic to it. Kind of like Lotus War, or like a more of the original Slayer series than the rest of the Slayer series. But it, it is, it's in that fantasy genre. If you like that fantasy genre, this is a very good example and good execution of it so far. They could muck it up, yeah. you know. Well, three episodes in, I still love it, but yeah. It certainly beats Legend of the Seeker. God. Well, everything beats Legend of the Seeker. Though, speak, though there's, there's no there's no good segue into K-On. No, there isn't. <laughs> there is no good segue from this into K-On at all. So, so, so speaking of K-On. So K-On is... K-On! Yeah, that, directly to your K. That's that's pretty much it. It is a the latest show from um, Kyoto Animation, although you kind of can't tell it based off the animation looks more like Kanagi than something Kyoto Animation does. Mm. Um, it's about these four girls who, it's based off a four coma, uh, there was four panel sort of gag comment about these four girls who start up a light music club at their high school. Kind of think, um, what was that show called? Azumanga Daio. Yeah, Azumanga Daio meets the school festival episode of Haruhi. That's yeah. right. That's yeah, because when they say light music, it's not the same light music that we think of. It's more like pop music yeah, club. Like pop rock, kind of. And so, and it's very much, you know, it's sort of a show about nothing because ostensibly they're, they're there to learn music. And while they'll give us the occasional musical joke, it more or less centers around them eating cake. Yeah, do any of them even know how to play instruments? They all do yeah. except for lead, who's sort of the Osaka, who's the guitarist. <laughs> And like the first, like the second episode's episode where she actually buys her guitar, but it's mostly about her them doing random jobs to earn enough money to get to the guitar. And then after they earn enough money, it's actually not enough money. And it has what happens: one of the characters' parents owns the store <laughs> they're buying the guitar at, so they get it for the price that they happen to already have. No, oh, that was nice. And I mean, this is definitely it's also manga, also infused with lots of. Moe, but I've realized one of my biggest issues with Moe is not so much Moe itself, more so that when Moe's characters are the object of someone's affection in another show, especially like harem shows, because these things are not designed to be objects of affection. I, I see watching K on for the same kind of people who like to watch the Puppy Bowl. I love watching the Puppy Bowl. 
because the puppies are in their nice, you know, contained area with the things that they give to entertain them and run around and look cute in the same day of Kaon. You've got these retarded Moe girls who get to run around in their little show and play on their instruments and eat their cake and the fourth episode already hits the beach episode. You can't, you can't help but feel happy for them as you watch them and kind of embarrassed for them, too. Yeah, and then you feel really embarrassed for yourself watching it. But if that's your thing, this is the show for you. And from what I can tell on 4chan, it's a very popular on the wallpapers board. Caution. Slow children at play. That's right. God, there's a lot of wallpaper. I keep looking for new wallpaper for new shows, and there's always crap tons of K-On. Hey. <laughs> Absolutely nothing else. I, I've started to make some wallpapers for the Raven and, and Captain Schwan, so if you uh, if you want some Vesperia wallpapers, I can hook you up. I do. <laughs> oh, excellent. I'll send them to you. <laughs> okay, so next up, Natsu no Arashi. This is a series by uh, Kobayashi, the guy who does School Rumble, uh, along, animated by Studio Shaft. Shaft. Who's done things like you know, Sayana, Mr. Spare, oh. <laughs> Maria Plus Holic, and some other shows. It's actually like the least Shaft-like of the series I've ever seen from them. Which is kind of a shame because their signature style is kind of what sells their shows. They're the only show I know that takes the visual style from Retainer and uses it for other things. I don't know. I hear Shaft is a complicated studio. Well, I've also realized that the second and third episodes have a lot more Shaftness <laughs> to them that I can dig it. <laughs> But it's about this boy. It's it's. I think it's his. I think he's thirteen, and it's his, his summer vacation. And boy meets girl. Girl turns out to be something more than he expects. The supernatural variety and time travel hijinks ensue. Well, at least she wasn't a man, which is a whole different kind of show. She yeah, it's like somebody I know who's not from here. Oddly enough, but but so far, I mean, the first show was kind of. They're doing a lot of things where they'll show like a show in the middle of the series and then go back to the first episode for episode two. That's become popular. That happens to this. I think Haruhi like spoiled us. Well, Haruhi gave us all the episodes totally out of chronological That's order. That's true. Just because but that's how Haruhi rolled. This episode did it. Um, Massacre Z did it. Full Metal Alchemist did it. Yeah. It just seems to be a popular thing to do is to give us a shot. It's kind of like the same thing like Metroid games. Where they'll give you all the power-ups for the first level, and then they'll take away all those power-ups and make you start from the beginning. Well, they, they kind of want to... They, I, they, I think they're trying to throw the stuff they think are going to hook the viewer out yeah. at you. And then they're going to go back and explain how the hell they got to that point that you were wanting to see more of. So, uh... But, you know, and so the first... This episode, I actually think, does it better than the previous... Than Mazinger or Full Metal does. Where it gives you the, the wacky hijinks, lets you know what exactly you're actually in for... Then the first, the second episode's actually the first episode in line. Oh, Pandora Hearts! That's the next topic. Yes, Pandora Hearts. It's uh, it's interesting. Yeah, I'll it's very give it that. It's very interesting. Uh, it kind personally, uh, after seeing what I've seen, I'm still holding out judgment on whether or not I'm actually going to say this is a good show or not. It looks like it can. It has potential to be a really great show. Like it's all the characters seem really interesting. In the first episode alone, it builds up so much of the characters. Like you get such a good feel for their personality. Uh, the art style's nice, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, 
But the thing is, is that it could very. It's kind of like a mis. It's kind of like a mystery thing that's going on. Uh, Maybe it does the creepy very very. It's well. very creepy, and I've even I've seen through episode three, and I'm I'm at the point I have no idea where the show is going exactly. Uh, it, it seems to be a fantasy show. Yeah, with... my own my only worry about it is that it seems like it could get too generic anime too fast mm-hmm. if they're not careful. Right, but. Like it's, I guess it's really just going to depend on how strong their plot yeah. is. There seems to be, I don't know, a fantasy world, and there seems to mm-hmm. be body possession by spirits involved. Um, there seems to be a giant black rabbit with a scythe as well. And oh I'm man, that's so sure. awesome! <laughs> I'm still not sure how that all ties together exactly, but it's definitely going slow with the telling you what the hell is going on. Let me know when the black scythe wielding bunny giant man thing happens. Episode in two. Okay, is it an actual character or is it... It's in episode two, yeah. It's an actual character. Okay. It's a, it, it has a scythe and chains. Let me know when it comes to the main character. It, episode three. Think... Maybe. Uh, <laughs> episode, I have to see episode four. Don't know. It looks like the rabbit may be living in the main character. It's hard to tell. But it, it is a very good show and very... It, it plays off the looking cute and innocent and sweet and then suddenly being terribly creepy for no express reason. Yes. Other than it can. Largely, in the way, it's not explaining anything is keeping me watching because it sure feels like there's something deep to it. Well, you know, that's why I kept watching Ghost Towns all the way through. I just kept watching it, hoping that one day they would explain something. And Did they? No. <laughs> <laughs> so do you feel this is more working in a Higurashi vibe or more of a Chaos Head vibe? I feel it's more of a Higurashi-esque vibe than a Chaos Head vibe, because I think this is going to come together and be something cool in the end. I hope it will, certainly. Like, it feels like it's going to be something cool and not something just kind of, like, cop out. Yeah. All right, next up. Ristorante Paradiso. This actually isn't a show we haven't actually had a chance to watch yet, but for uh. what we can tell... <laughs> It's it's hot old men, older men. Sorry, not old. They're only like, 35, like thirty times, you know. Only in old. anime and video games, you see a thirty-five-year-old man, and you go, "Oh my god, he's so old!" Like I swear, we were, we were. Wa- I have not convinced anybody else in our cl- anime club to watch this yet. Uh, because of the opening, because all the men in, in the opening were thirty-five years old. Now, all, now me and then all the yaoi fangirls were sitting in, over in our little gay corner, and. <laughs> And, you know, Basil said, oh, and here's the Yowie show, and started to play it. And all of them started to go, oh, my God, they're so old. And I was, what the fuck, woman? I just wanted to crawl in the corner and cry after that. (laughs) It it looks like it's a restaurant in Rome where these gentlemen are, you know, serving things. Really, really hot guys that are about Raven's age. The opening leads me to believe it's kind of like bartender, but with a tea shop. Yeah. Well, uh, have you, if uh, yeah, that's in fact what it really reminded me of. Although I haven't actually seen it yet, so I can't. Well, really we know say... it's a thrilling spy adventure. We just don't know. We haven't watched it. Well, but from the looks of it, it looks like it's kind of a cross between if you've ever seen a uh, antique bakery, and it looks like a mixture between antique bakery and bartender. I I half expect it to be a really really slow paced, uh, so. If that's the kind of thing you like, which is the kind of thing I like, so... I, I swear, I'm actually starting to want to see this show. I know, I, I really want to see it. Like, I just want to know what it's about. Now, Good, what's bad, really interesting is this is actually, it's an adaptation 
The manga is actually ran in a seinen publication. Mm. Really? Which is designed for older men, you know, well, college age, business level, you know, <laughs> men. College so, age, business level men like me. Like the Prime Minister of Japan. <laughs> oh, we won't get into that. Did you just call the Prime Minister of Japan gay? No. no. <laughs> you have to wonder no. sometimes. Well, no, but he's also got a total manga thing. Yeah. He was kind of uh, reading Rosamaiden in Narita Airport. Okay. When he was like... <laughs> I'm totally claiming that Brad just called the Prime Minister of Japan gay. So, <laughs> That's um, what if, I heard. So, Japan, if you're listening and you want to forward a complaint at awesomecast at gmail.com, uh, we well, will forward well, it to Brad. I will <laughs> warn you, we none of us can actually read Japanese. Um, anyways, about this show and a few other shows, I'm not sure which ones, um, Crunchyroll is actually streaming these things. And um, Full Metal Alchemist is actually getting streamed by Funimation themselves, official subtitles, four days after the Japanese airing. Though I hear, I hear their feed kind of sucks. Like, the first episode took people like three hours to load. Probably because they're getting hammered so hard. So, yeah. But we're several episodes in, so hopefully they've gotten stuff worked out. Um, and now we're going to get into our final two shows. And finally, the shows that really epitomize awesome. Or at least for the awesome cast. Get on your guns! The first one is Sengoku Basara. This was a show that no one actually expected to be any good. I sure didn't. <laughs> for one thing, this is based off a Capcom video game. How many video game adaptations turn out to be actually good anime? Rarely. Uh, there Rarely. was. Uh, no. well, the I, I of, got one. The no, titles I got animes are pretty good <laughs> if you've already played the video game and have any idea what's going on. Yeah. You can make an argument for uh, the Dot Hack series, but usually in each of the main cases, the anime came as a plot before the video game. It's so, not yeah, a direct a adaptation of the line. video game plot. It's, 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 it's the plot that's basically before the game, so right. I don't well, know if that counts. Well, Dot Hack's also a multimedia. It was an extravaganza yeah. clusterfuck. It meant to be game, manga, anime, all simultaneously. But Sengoku Basara is a video game series for the PS2. It is pretty much the, Jap- the Japanese world equivalent of Dynasty Warriors, just made by Capcom. Now, we did get a version of it called Double Kings in the US, but they stripped out all the actual Japanese references. And enemies. And enemies, added in new enemies, new combat systems that were worse than the Japanese one, and tried to play up the devil's-ish aspect of it, and it was a crappy game. It sucked. And then they wondered why it didn't sell well in America. Hmm. But the t- actual series, it takes place during the Sengoku period. Warring States era. Where a bunch of, you know, warlords were, you know, fighting and battling over power and... Getting all up ons. And so the game features, and the anime takes place with the uh, two historical warlords as the main characters... You have uh, Sonata, Yukimura, and Date Masamune. Yeah. The the weird thing about watching this anime is that some of the stuff is, like, historically accurate. Like, surprisingly? (laughs) Yeah, it's, like, surprisingly historically accurate. And so you're watching it going, no, that can't be right. Uh, And then you look into Japanese history, you go, oh, crap. That was accurate. I thought that was the hyperbole. For, like Kenshin. for example, Date Masamune, he had sort of a Western fetish. He liked the Western Western stuff. So, like he really, the real Date Masamune was interested in the English language and English culture. So, the anime gives him lots of English, 
And then motorcycle handlebars for his horse as well as exhaust pipes. And he wields six swords. One between each knuckle. Yes. And he is very much like the... Um, he's voiced by the voice actor that's Zoro from One Piece. Yeah, so the guy who wields three swords now wields six swords. And he kind of acts like the um, crazy cross between Zoro and Luffy. Yeah. Um, he is very, very gung-ho, crazy, you know, ready to go to violence the first chance he gets. And his, his followers all look like they're in a motorcycle gang. Yes. <laughs> Except wearing Japanese... The they, armor they, and they kind of talk like they're in a motorcycle. They game do too. Yes. Like if you listen to the Japanese, they're they're very gang. They're very street. And his bromance partner is this guy named Sanada Yukimura, who is very who sort of has bromance lust for everyone in the show, especially his lord. They spend a lot of time punching each other in the face because that's how they tell each other how As awesome goes, they are. My lord, you're so great. Punch. Shut up. You should learn to do these things yourself. But why when you're so great, my lord? Punch. You know, it's... Boy, I'm going to beat you till you take my throne from me. <laughs> I swear that's what he's doing. <laughs> and the whole big thing is, you know, Oda Nobunaga. He's Satan. And also voiced by one of the greatest voice actors of all time. Yes. Norio Wakamoto. Yes, who, trust me, you've heard him before. The Emperor of Britannia and Code Geass. Uh, Chio Chan's father and Azamanga Dayo. Oscar von Royenthal and Legend of Galactic Heroes. The narrator for Hayate the Combat Butler. He's all certain Japanese GPS systems. <laughs> we could keep going. Dude is awesome and he's got a great voice. And he plays it to the hilt. They all actually play their voices to the hilt in this yes, one. This is an over-the-top, uh, totally follows rule of cool. It's... Everything is over the top. People glow. Stuff explodes. It, it gave a lot of people a really twin dragons kind of feel too. Like when you when you were watching the fight scenes, uh, it, it was just awesome. I <laughs> uh, watched episode two where they suddenly feel like they're channeling Gurren Lagann out of nowhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's the kind of vibe that it gives. It gives kind of a Gurren Lagann. Uh, gives kind of a Gurren Lagann vibe. It's over the top uh, to be over the top. Gurren Lagann. Uh, Wild Zero, you know, that kind of thing. (laughs) You know, where you're just watching these guys in their epic displays of manliness going, what the fuck, guys, what the fuck? And then they succeed brilliantly, and you're just like, Yes, when they can actually stop two armies from fighting by their blasts up from a mountain above, is so so much shockwaves creates um, a a, a lake to flood into a river to keep the two armies from fighting. By accident, yes. That's episode one. It goes more. It goes. It gets further crazier, more badass from there. I didn't think that was possible, but it's true. It's kind of like how Black Lagoon. You thought that shooting a, a torpedo into a helicopter from the torpedo ship launching itself into the air was as badass as you could possibly get, and it's no. They actually got more badass just the from there. Same thing. Uh, it's. It's an awesome, you know, two, it hits to 11, bypassing 10. It actually goes, I think it goes past 12 and still hits 11 anyways. That's how awesome. It's that kind of show. So. And we finally round up with Shin Mazagur Shogeki Zihen, which is the most badass show ever in the world, at least for this season. It is the resurrection of the classic super robot show, Mazinger Z. The great granddaddy of piloted giant robots. Yeah, brought to us by Gona Guy. 
the crazy drunk uncle of anime. Yes, he will. He, he's the weird uncle who touches you in inappropriate places. That's right. <laughs> Just like that. Yeah, this is the same guy who gave us Devil Mad and Cutie Honey. And, and many, many mecha shows. And many, many <laughs> mecha shows. And this show is being directed by Emigawa. Yasushiro um, at Yumigawa, who you might know from things like he directed Giant Robo. And uh, G Gundam, Gundam. Bartender. Bartender of all Just things. Just as an odd other counterpoint. And so this, in other words, this man is a directing genius. And he's sort of giving the same treatment that he gave to Giant Robo to Bazinger in this one. Where it's, it's, it feels so much like the end all, like, you know, you it's not going to get any better than this type epic Warriors giant robot fighting thing. I like. I very much like it. It's done in a well. Certainly, modern animation values the whole thing is even down to like the reoccurring narration is very much in the style of the classic '70s version, just with much better animation. And the guys also bringing in elements from all the other Mazinger yeah. shows, as well as other going to guy characters that we normally don't see. It's all yeah. It's good. just in the first episode they threw in a lot of characters who were in the original, but often get left out of the various remakes, like Mazinger. They just have them in there just from the get go. I'm pretty sure this is going to be what 26 episodes. I believe it's 26 episodes. The first episode's a total and media res clusterfuck of amazement. Where they show you, it feels like it's one of the final episodes, but they show you it as the first episode. The episode title is Finale, if it helps. <laughs> where someone shows you where this show is going to end up, and it's like, holy crap. Holy crap. Holy crap. Holy crap. And just anyone who isn't even remotely familiar with Matthew Z before watching that was pretty much going, <laughs> all the way through it, like I was. <laughs> this is definitely, but if you've never actually watched any Mazinger Z, perhaps you're better off watching episode two to start with. I don't know. I have never seen Mazinger, as I mentioned in the previous podcast. And I watched episode one, I still thought it was amazing. Yeah. But I'm an Imagawa fanboy. Yeah, episode two definitely is more like, is the beginning of the show. And you might be less lost if you start on episode two. If, or if you watch episode one and you're scratching your head going, what the fuck? Go to episode two. It it'll it starts off much more normally. I mean, you got your main character. What? Oh, what was his name? Kabuto Koji. Yeah, Kabuto Koji. Yo, boy, boy meets robot. Granddaddy made robot. Robot. Awesome granddaddy with a horrible scar as one. He looks like such a villain character. He looks like Doctor Wily. This guy's going a guy. Even his heroes have a tendency to look like villains. <laughs> Well, it's also one of the things where it's like you don't know if Koji can actually be a, he can be a hero or a villain. He can go either way because he's kind of nuts. Yeah, he's got a crazy side to him. Like all Go Nagai heroes, he's it's capable true. of going batshit insane at any moment. And it's more or less his superpower to do so. And so his grandfather gave him a giant robot that pretty much accentuates all his abilities. And Sora is based off Zeus, the god of thunder. Yeah. Not joking, Zeus is actually in the show. He's a character. I was actually surprised. It's actually that this is the best take on Greek mythology I've seen in a long time. I didn't even realize that's what I was getting into. But apparently it is. Yeah, Basil's Greek. He knows what he's talking about. It's true. I'm totally Greek. And this is like the Greekiest Greekness that come out of Greek Street. If it was Japanese. <laughs> yes. And Mecca show. Oh, man, Basil. If they made uh, that old man butler show to like 
massage me. They totally made this show for you. That's right. They? It's true. They did. It was me and Basil. They, they, they made the show for him. They were like, you know, Basil hasn't actually seen any Maslinger. We should fix that. Let's fix it in the most epic way possible. And so, you know, they called me up and were like, hey, Basil, who can we get directed to the show? I'm like, Imagawa? Duh. And they did. So thank you. Uh, I want to just, you know, you're welcome, folks. It's all my doing. It really is. <laughs> It is. <laughs> and there were other shows we could have talked about, but we haven't actually bothered watching. That's still, like, a ton of shows. Holy crap, that's a lot of shows. So that's way over ten shows. Yeah, everyone um, should check out Jewel Pets. No. no. That, that's right. <laughs> Jewel <laughs> No, Pets. no, you shouldn't. No, you shouldn't. Forget that. That was a horrible thing no, to tell they're, you. They're going to want to see it now that you tell them they shouldn't. So. I, there's also like, oh, I just want someone to watch it besides me who can tell me what it's actually like. I'm I'm curious as to how Shangri-La goes because that was one that when I was just looking at the images of all the pictures I was really interested to see that after seeing like the the opening and the first couple of minutes it looked kind of like it wasn't going to be my thing like, it unfortunately has Gonzo stamped on it which yeah. is and I've heard it's horrible yeah, yeah. they they got like Ron Gay Murata, who's a fairly famous artist, to do the character designs, and they all did like work on Last Exile also. But these look nothing like his character designs now in the final product. So even if that was a reason you might want to watch it, it's not. I've heard of all the Gonzo shows, Saki's the best one they put out for this season, but I hear it's not very good either. Because <laughs> it's gone. Well, Gonzo knows how to make an episode, but that's about it. Yeah. And you know, I'm sorry. After you know, freaking Rizarra plus Vampire and Two Lover, I'm done. Yeah, like I wrote them off at strike, which is but yeah, not even bother. You know, I bother. mentioned I thought Nadesco earlier before a real, um, uh, Audacity crashed. Uh, I mistakenly mentioned that Nadesco has done my Gonzo, but I realized that it wasn't. It's just that the character designer Keiji Goto he did a lot of stuff in Gonzo back in the day, like the gatekeepers as well. Yeah. And I think he probably like left Gonzo because of the same thing. Well, or it's like broke a, his contract or whatever. It's a sinking ship. Yeah. Anybody with any talent and, has yeah. abandoned them by this point. And I'm pretty sure that there's this keep probably existing by just Jedi Moore Strike, which is crap, which apparently Funimation's putting out because they kinda got uh carte blanche to put out everything by Gonzo, so now they have to put out everything by Gonzo. Oh. Well, it sells well in Japan. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it would it would be awesome if uh, if people took this opportunity of Gonzo's sinking ship to get talent in there and uh, like unheard of talent nobody's ever heard of before, and then be surprise awesome. That would be great. That'd be great. Although at this point, I'd have to get word of mouth. That was awesome because I'm very prejudiced against Gonzo at this point. <laughs> well, also, but so many of their actual like assets where they're using to create this animation, they've been selling off. Yeah. Like, however, if it's to generate enough money to keep afloat. So, it's, even if they do get these unknown talents, their ability to actually generate the animation has gone down significantly. Now, maybe that means they can go through other companies to do it, and maybe that actually end up being a better animation. It's a possibility. I don't it may know. become like Sega and just outsource their animators to other people's shows. That is, that's what's going to happen. Is Vakira Chronicles any good? Um, So-so. I mean, I don't know. Only I haven't watched the third episode of that. Um... First two episodes, they basically are following the game plot. It's a cool, awesome game. There's not enough fatalities, considering I was like shooting people in the head on a regular basis in the first few stages, and they don't really even kill anybody in the first two episodes. 
But hey. <laughs> but we're, I think we're good. Yeah. This is a freaking long episode. Yeah, it's so a freaking uh, long episode. Let's, yeah. uh, and it took even longer to record because stupid audacity crashing all the time. So anyways, yeah, we need to hope you all enjoyed this mammoth episode. Please Welcome to our new listeners. Listen more. Write us. Email us. Talk to us. You know, we thank we thank the new listeners, but I think also extended thanks goes out to the old listeners. If you've been listening to us, keep listening to us because you know we're awesome, and we're gonna continue on to being awesome. Oh, baby! But now we're going to awesomely leave. <laughs>